morning. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, my name is Jerry Shank. I am uh, the student ministries director uh, at Northgate. Uh, and so that means I'm, I work with the middle school and high school students. Uh, and I also oversee our special needs ministry there at the church. Um, and I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning and to be walking with you uh, as Bethel um, and Northgate kind of uh, partner together for this next season to see what fruit um, God might want to bring um, from our, our ministries together. So I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be here this morning. Um, and kicking off the third installment of our series that we've been going through, um, we've been working through this book, uh, Believe, which is really an opportunity uh, that our church leadership thought um, would be really beneficial for our congregation, for the members of our church to go through as we just took a focus on what it is that we actually believe that the Bible says about our lives and how does that influence the way we think, the way we act, and then how we are as a person. So there have been three installments that we've gone through in three different sections of chapters in this book that are labeled Think, Act, and then the final one is B. And today we're kicking off um, the B series, and if you want a copy of this book, we've got um, some of them in the lobby, and then there are going to be more that are coming back in coming weeks. So if you don't get one this week, don't worry, we'll have more for you um, in the coming weeks. But you can go out, grab one, um, grab one for you, and if you want to go through it with a friend, uh, pay $5 and grab a second, uh, and then find somebody, maybe a coworker, maybe somebody um, that can't make it to church on a regular basis because they work um, on Sunday mornings or something like that. We'd love for you guys um, to be uh, walking with us as we go through this Believe series. So today, like I said, we're starting um, the third installment, which is the B series, which is all about who we are. And are we becoming who we say we are? Are, we, are our lives being defined by the gospel and by Jesus and by the message? Or is it just something that we talk about and these believies that we have and our nice feelings, but they don't really impact how we live and they don't impact what comes out of our lives. So uh, for the next couple weeks, it's the series title that we're giving it is Heart Check. Uh, and this is an examination of our hearts and our relationship with God to see if we are growing in our relationship with God um, and if the fruit of the Spirit are coming out of our lives. Um, a, a few years back, I, had, I, I heard a sermon that was preached, and it changed my mentality on the fruit of the Spirit. You see, I had always heard, oh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit are all things that you should do, are all things that you should go find and you should put in your life. But this, this pastor, when he was teaching, taught that, no, the fruit of the Spirit, like fruit, are, you don't go get fruit and put it on a tree. Fruit are grown from within a tree. Fruit are grown from within where a tree is rooted. And when our lives are rooted and centered around Jesus and around his love and his goodness and his mercy and his grace for us, when we orient our lives around the Bible and what that says for how we should live, that is when the fruit of the Spirit comes out of our lives. So we're going to be looking at those over the next few weeks and in examining how we can root ourselves in Christ so that the result can be the fruit of the Spirit come out of our lives. So this week, we're talking about the first of the eight, and that's love, right? And love is something that we all know what it is, and we all want it, and it's a simple thing in some regards. But in many regards, it's not. In many regards, it's very confusing, it's very complicated, and sometimes we need a little bit of help. When I remember when I was a kid, right? And, and kids love their parents and love other people most times, but then sometimes the way they show and express that love it kind of misses the mark, doesn't it? I mean, maybe it's the hundredth noodle necklace that you've gotten for Mother's Day or Father's Day or the, the thousandth picture with stick figures that they painted. And your kid is trying to love you, but really it's not connecting. Or, or how about this one? When I was um, in first grade, I had a crush, and her name was Kate. 
And I was like all about Kate and I was like, I want to show Kate that I love her. And so when I was, or whatever my first grade feelings were, right? And so whenever I would leave or I would pass Kate or I would leave the classroom, I would bop Kate on the head. And now, <laughs> like, I'm a big guy now, but I was a big, uh, like, compared to my, my peers, I was a giant when I was in first grade in elementary school. And so my little bop was like, I was hitting her hard, right? And she goes to the teacher and says, hey, Jerry's hitting me. I'm like, no, that's a love tap. And, and, and so when I was a kid, it, it was very easy for me to miss uh, communicate my love and wanting to communicate love, but really missing the mark and communicating something different. And that's a story we can laugh about. But the truth is, is that all throughout our lives, all throughout our lives, there are times that we want to communicate love or communicate affection or just communicate that we care for someone as a friend, as a, as a family member, as a coworker, as a spouse, as a partner. We want to communicate that we love them, but we don't know what to do. I remember in college there was a time where I had, I had this aching sense in my, in my soul and in my gut that I, I wanted to show this person that I cared. I wanted to show them that I loved them and that I wanted to be with them and their problems, but I didn't know what to do. I remember I wasn't much of a party. I wasn't a partier at all. I didn't, that, that wasn't my scene going out and, you know, being silly. That wasn't my, my, the way I viewed fun. I would rather remember my weekends. But there was one, there was one time where I went, I, I did find myself at a party for a friend's birthday. And I was, I was there, and I had just planned, I'll go in, I'll pop in, I'll say hi, and then I'll, I'll slip out the back, and it won't be that big of a deal. So I show up, and I'm at this party. Well, I find myself in a conversation with a friend of mine. And in this conversation with a friend of mine, they've told me that they've been drinking and using drugs and all of this stuff and experimenting with some things. And, and, and we're talking, and we're talking back and forth, and I realize that she's in a broken place. That she's in a broken place where she's even questioning her own life and her own will to live. And we're sitting on the porch having this conversation. And I remember it so clearly as she's crying and I'm sitting there listening and my heart is being broken. And, and she tells me at the end of our conversation and she's like, and please don't tell anyone. And don't tell anyone what I've been going through. Don't tell anyone what I've been doing. I, I, I need you to keep this to myself. And, and I remember driving home and being wrecked because I don't know what to do. I don't know, should I, should I report her to the guidance counselors and the counselors at school, at the college that I was at? Should I just keep it to myself and be quiet? Should I bring it up again? How, how do I love and communicate that I love and care for this person? I want to do what's right, but I'm just asking how do I do it? What's the right next step? And we've all had moments like this, whether it's our friends or our family members, our coworkers, where we want to give support, but we don't want to enable, where we want to show that we care but we don't want to be uh, just, just careless. And we want to show people what's best and we want to treat people rightly. We've all had moments where we've had these feelings. And at this moment, we ask ourselves, what do we do when our intentions to love don't match our capacity or our ability to love? What do we do when our intentions to love don't match our capacity or our ability to love? Love is a thing that we all agree is good. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, we've all been hurt by people who have said they love us. We've all been hurt um, by people who had intentions to love us but didn't do the right thing. And, and many of us in the room have hurt people when we've intended to love them. We can all use help with this topic because none of us in the room have been loved by anyone perfectly. I have great parents. My parents loved me and loved God and had us in church. But my parents didn't always love me and my siblings perfectly. You, you may have had good parents, but your parents didn't always love you perfectly. None of us have been loved perfectly. And some of us know that we've been loved far from perfectly and even painfully. We've been hurt by the people who love us. And, and none of us have ever loved anyone perfectly either. 
You see, there's, there's this lack that all of us have. We can get so far, and we can do some of the right things, but there's something bigger. There's something greater that we're left longing for in all of our human interactions. I, 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 as I was preparing for this, I, I came up with this line, and it says this, I cannot give love that will ultimately satisfy another, and I cannot receive love from another that will ultimately satisfy myself. When it comes to our interactions with other people, when it comes to our interactions with our fellow humans, with our friends, with our coworkers, with our parents, with our partners, we need something else. There's a desire that we have that's greater than anything that else that's going to come from the outside and fill us. We need help when it comes to this important thing called love. And here's the good news, is that the Bible offers us that. The Bible actually calls it the most excellent way. And here's the thing, is if you walked in these doors and you're a Christian, you've been walking with God um, for years, that's great. Um, you're going to get things out of this. But if you, if you haven't, if this is maybe your first or second time in church or you've been away for a while, you're like, I don't know where I stand with all this Christianity stuff. Here's, here's the thing. I would ask you to lean into the truths that we're about to discuss here because there's something here for you too. There's something in this passage, in this most excellent way that we can all grow from. So we're, it's up on the screen and I'm going to read it here. It says this. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels and didn't love others... I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I could understand all the secret plans of God and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave all I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast, uh, I could boast about it. But if I didn't have love uh, for others, I would gain nothing. What this section is saying is that with all the best actions and intentions, commitments and words, the human uh, capacity to love still leaves us with a longing. It says, and then the next uh, section says this, love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It always is hopeful and always endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals part of the whole picture. But when the time comes of perfection, these partial things will become useless. What this is saying is that there are lots of things in life that can make us feel good. And these are ultimately not what we're created for. We're created for love and a love that's greater than we can experience. The, the passage finishes and it says this. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child and loved as a child. But when I grew up, I put childish things away. Now I see imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. This is saying that life is sort of like an enigma, sort of like a vapor or a smoke, that the meaning of life can often elude or escape us, and our best intentions often aren't enough. If we go around life trying to chase love, and trying to track it down in relationships and in experiences and in our, in, in our, in our jobs and in our friendships and in our families. It, ultimately, we're going to squeeze those things so tight that the smoke is going to go out of our hand and we'll be left longing. 
And it says the best thing that we can do is love a different way. It says three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And my response after reading a passage like that, and I've read it time and time again, is always, yes, I want that. I nod and my soul feels good and I smile and I feel warm because I desire that love. I desire a love that's patient, that's resilient, that's reckless, that chases after me. And, 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 and I want it. And, and oftentimes I've gone after it in relationships and I've gone after it in experiences. But what I find is you leave, you're left empty handed and exhausted. It's like a chasing after the wind. My response after reading that is saying, yes, I want that. I want that. Please, how, how, how do I get that? How do I have that in my life? Have, have you ever watched a movie and thought to yourself, man, I would like to do that, right? Maybe it's the Fast and Furious movies and they're racing down the streets of Tokyo and you're like, yeah, that, I, I would love to drive my car that fast. I would love to drive that speed, right? Or, or maybe um, you, you've seen fight scenes in The Gladiator or 300 or some epic movie and you're like, man, that is powerful. I want, I, I want to be a warrior. I want to be a soldier. Or you've seen basketball movies like Hoosiers and you said, I want to play basketball like that or something. Um, or maybe it's you've watched The Notebook and you saw The Kiss in the Rain and you said, I want a romance like that. I want to be swept off my feet like uh, Jack and Rose were in the Titanic, right? And you've, and you've looked for that and you've said, yeah, 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 I want that. And here's the thing, is what our minds and our bodies do when we watch those movies is what my soul does and what our souls do when we read this passage. When we read about this love that's resilient, this love of God that seems to be reckless, that seems to be powerful and all-encompassing and not lacking. And the incredible news about this is, is that when we read this passage, when we read um, 1 Corinthians, and I, uh, the verses 4, I'm going to read it here. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Man, when we look at that, it's like, yes, 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 I want that. And here's the good news, is that this is the love of Jesus. This is the love of Jesus that he gives us before we've done anything for him. Before, this, this isn't a roadmap and say, hey, go be patient. Hey, go be kind. Hey, go be good. Hey, don't give up. Hey, have hope. It's not, before it's a command, before this verse is a command, before this is an instruction, before this is anything like that, before this is, before God even is asking you, hey, stop, leaving, stop living in sin and leave your sin. Before any of that, what God is saying what Jesus is saying is that this is the love I have for you. There's a story in the Bible of a woman caught in adultery who had been uh, unfaithful to her husband. And in that time, that sort of thing was punishable by death. And so the religious leaders of the day grab her and they, they picture a room similar to this. And they come and they drag her up the stairs and they throw her at Jesus' feet who's teaching. Picture, picture the image of that right now. Picture someone coming in here with, with, with a woman wrapped in, in, in a sheet and saying, hey, she was caught in adultery. The, the, the law of the day says that we should kill her. What do you say? Jesus, without saying a word, without saying, asking any of the details, he kneels down and he begins to draw with his finger in the dust. He doesn't say anything. We don't know what he's writing and that's not the point. The point is, is that before Jesus talked about her sin and asked her to leave her life of sin, before Jesus uh, instructed her in other ways, he demonstrated that he loved her. And God does the same thing for us. And so when we read a passage like this, when we read a verse like this, 
we can see that God's love is patient. God's love is not jealous or boastful or rude. God's love is not self-absorbed. God's love uh, does not get irritated. God's love doesn't get irritated, even if you've made the same mistake before. And it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice and pain, but uh, rejoices whenever truth wins out. God's love never gives up. God's love never loses faith. God's love is always hopeful. And God's love endures through every circumstance. I don't know what you've heard about God's love, but this is true. I don't know what people have told you about God's love and said, hey, if you get your act together, then God will love you. If you, you know, clean up your mess and stop doing that behavior and that addiction, if you get yourself out of that, then you, th- th- then you will earn God's love. That's not what God's love is about. God's love always, uh, never gives up, never loses faith, and is always hopeful. And it's like a father with his arms wide open that says, my child, I'm coming. The eternal radical acceptance, truth, and freedom, and hope, and the love of Jesus changes everything. It changes the way you hear his voice. It changes the way you read the Bible. Because when you, when you read something in the Bible that's asking you to change a way that you're living or, or adjust a behavior or, or eradicate some sin, you don't hear like somebody up in heaven saying, hey, stop having fun. Hey, stop doing that. Stop doing this. Start doing this. But no, you hear a loving father who's saying, my child, I want this for your benefit. When you hear God say, start doing something, you can trust that God is leading you to something good. When you hear these things, you can realize, oh, that's my good, good father who loves me so much. And you know, one of the most incredible things is that when we plant ourselves and root ourselves in God's love, then God's love begins to fill us. God's love begins to come in us and fill us. And you know what? God's love eventually comes out of us. And this is what it was meant to be. And, uh, and, and, and this is the way we were meant to live our lives. Connected deeply in God's love and flowing God's love out to others. But the problem is sometimes we get it wrong. And we think that I need to go find love and then I'll be full. I need to go secure love and then I'll be happy. I need to go find a relationship and then I'll be good. I need to go find my friendships and then I'll be good. I need to go find the love of my coworkers and and, and feel good about myself. I need to go find the love of my family and then I'll feel good about myself. And we try and, you know, find this love from external things and secure our love in external things. And it always lets us down. And I'm sure you've seen relationships, you've seen lives destroyed by this type of living. And the love of God True love is a fruit, and it's grown from within, not secured from outside. An apple tree doesn't go out and find apples and put apples on itself. No, an apple tree grows apples because it has apple tree branches. And those apple tree branches are connected to an apple tree trunk. And that apple tree trunk is connected to apple tree roots that go into the water and get nutrients so that this tree can grow the love of God. And when you understand that you're incredibly loved by a God, who has the capacity to meet your needs, the needs of your soul like no other, you're going to be able to love others freely. And no longer will you need to approach people as a source to give you love, as a source to secure love from. No longer will you need uh, to manipulate others and lie and gossip and try and control situations and control things so that you, you can be loved and have love. No longer will you need to be cold and have a heart of stone and have walls that are built up to reserve and protect you. But instead, 
you're going to be able to be warm. When you root yourself in the love of God, you're going to be able to see people who are hurt, who are carrying around guilt, who are carrying around baggage, who are carrying around years and years of shame. And, and instead of your heart being crushed by the weight of this, instead of your heart being crushed by the weight of their stories, instead you're going to be able to look at them and say, I'm full of God's love, and here's some for you too. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way, it's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And this becomes the litmus test, or the bar that we're supposed to measure up to for our lives. It's, it, it's not, hey, do this first. It's, this is the way that God has loved us, and when this love fills us from the inside, this is going to come out of us. And if, if our actions are different than this, then the thing that we need to do is not work hard to be more patient and work hard to be more kind, but instead work hard to dig our roots deeper into our love relationship with God. This is restoration. This is the power of the gospel. This is love. And so if you want love to be a part of your life, do whatever you can to remove all the other things, the distractions and the false loves out of your life, and dig your roots deeper into your relationship with God. If I went around the room, I'm sure that I would hear story after story that broke my heart of people who searched for love in wrong places and found heartbreak because of it and put up walls and now they're cold. And I'm sure that I would hear stories of people who have looked for love and found longing and desire instead. And here's what I want you to know. That with whatever the pieces of your life look like, with whatever has happened in your past, whether it's people who have said they loved you who have actually hurt you, or whether you've hurt others when you intended to love, or you've hurt others because you've lashed out in anger, whatever the pieces of our lives look like, here's the good, good news of the gospel, is that God gave his whole self in the form of his son Jesus, who lived a perfect life in whole connection with God, never broken, never shattered, never separated from God, perfect, whole, complete love. Love that was always right and always good. And then at the end of his life, the, the life that he had lived with no mistakes and no flaws, Jesus went to the cross and he said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take the punishment for the brokenness in the world. I'll, I'll, I'll take the punishment for the sins. I'll take it upon myself. And so Jesus said, I love these men and these women, th these humans that I've created who want to be loved, I love them so much even though their lives are so broken. I love them even in their brokenness and in spite of their brokenness. And he went to the cross and he died. And then he goes to the cross and then he goes to the grave and he's buried. And here's the good news is three days later he rose from the dead. And in rising from the dead, he proves that our sin, that our brokenness, that the love of others who has hurt us, that the times we've loved others and we've hurt them, that our selfishness and self-centeredness, it doesn't have power. It doesn't have power over God's whole love. So wherever you're at in your life, whatever you're going through, know this, is that God's love is powerful. That God's love is whole and complete and good. And God wants that love to be planted deep inside of you. 
God wants, God wants you to plant yourself next to the streams of his love and mercy and allow his love and mercy and grace to flow in your life. Love and mercy that are healing. Love and mercy and grace and goodness that put our lives back together. And we're gonna sing a song right now. And this song is an artist's rendition um, of 1 Corinthians 13, of this passage. And it talks about God not giving his love not giving his love partially, not giving his love to tease us, not giving his love um, just to say, hey, to, 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 to flirt or to any, any self-involved reason, but God giving his love for our, for our better and for our goodness. And if you know the words of this song or you want to sing the words, they're going to be up on the screen. But if you don't, that's fine too. What I would ask though is that as these words are sung, reflect on the love of God. Reflect on the healing power and the nature of the love of God and let the streams of his love flow into your life. Remove the other false loves later this week and establish patterns to, to put yourself in God's love. But know that God loves you wherever you're at. And the result of rooting yourself in that love is the fruit of the Spirit is going to come out of your life. Is that love is going to come out of your life. And we're going to celebrate communion this week. And what communion is, is it's an external response that we do um, to Jesus giving his life on the cross. We take the bread and we remember that the body of Jesus, the perfect, unbroken body of Jesus was broken for us. And we remember that in, 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 in the juice, we remember his blood that, that washes our sins away and gives us forgiveness and right standing before God. And the ushers are going to come forward and they're going to pass this out. And as, as the, the music plays and as the trays pass, I would ask, pray and connect with a God who loves you. And maybe for the very first time, give yourself to that love. And maybe you've wandered and you need to give yourself back to that love. Connect to the love of God. And then we're going to come back together and we'll take the bread and the juice uh, together as a group. So just hold on to that. And so as this song plays, go ahead and think on. 